Welcome to the Bruce Siski Show. Follow the Bruce Siski Show on Twitter to interact anytime. Got something on your mind? You can text Bruce during the show by using the short code 84454. You're listening to the Bruce Siski Show on 610 and FM 103.9 KDAL. 1011, it's a Monday. Hope the weekend was swell. 13th of November, 2023. Bruce Siski Show on Katie. Y'all good to have you along. Uh, new text line. You want to uh, throw some comments out there? You can just text our call-in number now. How about that? Pretty fancy. 218-722-0839. Yeah, I know. Voice guy will fix that. We'll get that done here this week, but uh, I'll let you know that. 218-722-0839. You can text anytime. And uh, if something that you got a question for a guest or something, we'll uh, possibly use it on the air. Uh, speaking of guests, UMV Athletic Director Forrest Carr will be in studio in about uh, 25 minutes or so. Joining us now as we wrap up the uh, Bulldog football season, voice of the Bulldogs is Jeff Papis. Good morning. Hello, sir. Uh, we pretend to uh, we don't pretend to know everything about this process, <laughs> but I think if uh, for folks that weren't paying attention last week. I don't think either of us are surprised that despite a rousing win in Mankato on Saturday, it's Minnesota State playoff uh, bound and UMV is not. Well, we've discussed the permutations on it, and uh, it it didn't look good coming into the game. They weren't in the top ten, but they had to win to give themselves any chance at all. But uh, just looking at the way things came out eventually, I could see a lot of justifiable reason to be frustrated. By uh, by the outcome, and uh, I mean a, a very good team sits home. And that's that's in theory should not be what the NCAA wants, but it's what they got. No, and and just you know, for those that don't know, there are four super regions. Every conference in Division Two is grouped into one of the four super regions, and I know that there is some horse trading that can happen, and I have no idea how all that works. And I don't, I don't even pretend to try to explain how all that works. But there are scenarios where teams can shift divisions. Uh, Shepard is doing that this year out of West Virginia. They're playing in Super Region One instead of their assigned region, which is Super Region Two. Again, I don't know how all this works, uh, but I know a lot of it is done to try to save on travel costs and, and flights and all that. And uh, I think there's two flights that are going to be happening for first-round games because of the way that they are able to get the bracket put together. But 28 teams in total. The There are seven teams in each of these four super regions, and UMV will end up, in all likelihood, in the top 25 of the final national poll, Jeff, and they will not have played in the national tournament, which, again, has 28 teams as opposed to the 25 in the poll. Right, and I guess that's the sad part. This you know, that went to Mankato. You know, and in my mind, made Van Kittle look ordinary um, is going to be sitting home. I, uh, you go into a top 10 team's stadium and beat them by 12 um, and play the way they played. I mean, that's this is a team that not only should have, you know, was tournament worthy, but could have made a run. Uh, that team that went to Mankato is capable of making a, a deep run. And and that's the best of frustrating part. But you know you got to it's a season long thing. You got to win the games that are in front of you. And uh, we both agree the Wayne loss was very costly. And uh, and of course you know the the first game of the season they schedule a team that winds up going 0 and 11. Um, and so you get basically nothing for winning that non conference game. Meanwhile, Bemidji that does not schedule non conference winds up getting in. And 
Mankato winds up going to Augustana, who they've already played this year, despite what the NCAA says about uh, not wanting to have conference rematches. That's exactly what they got in this case. And, and they save on travel. Yeah, they save uh, significantly on travel, and, and that which is why, uh, th- th- for those that don't know, and I'm again, I I, I feel like we gotta repeat these things because it's easy to forget. All these all these different tournaments that you hear about are different, and in the case of this one, the top four teams in each super region are seated. The bottom three are not, and and the reason for that is, you know, Minnesota State Mankato is playing at the four seed. They're not the five seed. They were seventh ranked going into the final week of the season. There's no way they moved up two spots by losing at home to UMD. So they're going to Augustana simply because to send them to Western Colorado or to send them to Texas Permian Basin would have required an airplane, and sending them to Augustana, which is in Sioux Falls, does not. Well, they sent Bemidji to the Permian Basin. Right. Somebody had somebody had to go to Permian Basin somebody that was going to fly go. there. Yep. So, and, you know, it's the second straight year that they've had an all-NSIC first-round game. But right. they played at home last year against Mankato as well. So don't give me that stuff about not wanting conference matchups. No. Uh, I don't buy it. No. They, they, what, they, what they want to do is avoid flights more than they want to avoid conference matchups, which right. it's, which is also in the criteria. I went back and looked last night. It's not like it's not yeah. in there, but it, it, it's, yeah, yeah whatever. But be honest I, about it. Be honest about yeah. it. That's all I care yeah. about. And this one, so you know what? If it turns out that there's a conference matchup, that's what we're going to do. Don't right. say you don't want to do that, and yeah. then go ahead and do it two years running. Right. You know, we might have been born, might not have been born, you know, uh, yesterday, but perhaps the day before. <laughs> um, and I just, I don't buy it. Yeah, I, I don't either. Um, I, I think that they will skimp on cost whenever possible, and, and that's you know to be honest, that's why the the NCAA hockey criteria are written the way that they are now is because they really can't. They've got to base it off on the men's side. At least they've got to base it off the rankings. They they don't have mm-hmm. the ability to say, well, there's a regional over here, and if we move this team to this rank, it's a little more rigid, and and that I think is part of the reason why is that, is you don't have the ability to just create you know a conference matchup in the first round in, in men's hockey because you literally it's in there that you can't have that it's not even right. trying to avoid it you can't have it unless there's well, five teams from a conference in the tournament right so. it's, it's it's politics i get that yep. you, know, you really don't want to take away from uh, a couple of really really fine performances last week i'm, I'm talking about jimmy the rocher 752 <laughs> You know, a career day for him. Max Strand, 16 tackles. I mean, he wow. was all over the field. Watching him and Brad Dottie after the game was really something. Yeah. Uh, emotional team meeting on Friday night where, you know, the the seniors, I was at the defensive meeting, and the, the seniors got to say goodbye to each other. And then they went out and and laid it all out there and played a very, very good game. Despite yeah. turning all over three times, they still win by 12 against the top 10 team away from home. That was a, an impressive, impressive performance. And, and uh, you know, obviously <laughs> the, the turning point was not anything that was within UMD's control. They just took advantage of the opportunity. What the heck was Mankato thinking before halftime? I don't know, but uh, it was a, an interesting decision. The, the running that play, uh, and for those that don't know, I mean, there was five seconds ago in the half. They had a fourth down and long. You could have just snapped the ball to the quarterback and have him run around back there and fall down, and, and it was over. But they opted to go to the sidelines, and they thought the half was over. The official said it wasn't, and uh, Curtis Cox came on and hit a big field goal, and I think that lifted them for the rest 
in the game. I, I think it uh, did too. And, and it, you know, I, I, I was trying to explain to some people what happened on that uh, on that sequence because the play-by-play doesn't do it justice. It's fourth and twenty, whatever, and mm-hmm. it just say you know so and so runs for one yard and is tackled. <laughs> then here, here comes Cox with a field goal, but. It's one of those things where, like, you've got if you're Mankato there, Jeff, you've got three options. You can punt the football, and obviously, you're going to tell your punter to kick it out of bounds, and that more than likely runs out the clock. And if nothing else, you're putting UMD in a spot where they can't kick a field goal, they're going to have to run a gimmick play or just take a knee and go to halftime. Your second option is what you said, which is the quarterback takes a shotgun snap, runs around back there a little bit, either hucks it out of bounds or just falls down because who cares about the yardage lost because last play of the half. But there's no way you can't kill five seconds doing that. Instead, they try to run a legitimate play to kill the five seconds, and they missed one. Right. You're not punting in that situation because you're punting into that wind. Oh, I forgot about the wind, and, yeah. And we saw what happened to, you know, every punt that wound up into the wind. It just died. Yeah. You know, and so you're, you, you run the risk. If you call a fair catch there, you run the risk of giving up the ball in a good situation, in a good spot. But was it a was it brain lock to run a play towards the sidelines? Yes. No Two ways about it. Um, then UMD was able to, you know, to make a play, and, and they pointed out correctly the time had not expired, and uh, uh, and then got the field goal and got some momentum and stole a possession. Yep, they, uh, and the other, the other part is they, they come out because Mankato got the ball to start the second half, and they, that three and out was just yep. massive. Um, ma- those two, those four plays, the, the, the fourth down flub by Mankato and the three and out to start the second half are really what turned that football game because then Polkernowski almost houses that punt. They score three plays later on the reverse, and all of a sudden you go from tied to down 10. Yep. You give the defense credit too. They turn over Mankato four times on downs. Yeah, in that game, and uh, you know they 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 stood in there and they pitched and they you know and they uh, and they got some big stops. And Mankato's a is a good team. Don't get me wrong, but you know that's this is the kind of thing where you're watching the game and you're thinking, you know, these guys don't look like they're going to get it done today. And by that, I'm speaking about Mankato. And uh, and they did not look like the powerhouse team that, uh, that you know maybe I don't know if they were not playing well or UMD had taken them out of their game. Who knows? But I was I was very impressed with the way uh, UMD's players, as Kurt put it in the uh, in the pregame message, buy in and sell out. Yep. And uh, and and they did, and it was tremendous to watch. Yeah, your job is is just to win that game. You know, and we had Chase Vogler in here to be on some other stations on Tuesday. He basically said, you know, we can't control anything. You know, it's out of our control now. All we can do is go win this game, and and you hope for the best. But you 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 lay everything you have out there to win this football game. And I I, I frankly I felt I felt like they were doing that from the start, and and they they got what they deserved. Well, they played them straight up, uh, head up from the beginning. You know, and congratulations to that's Kurt's first win in Mankato. Is, uh, that's right. Alma mater, you know, and uh, and it's the first time Todd Hopner's ever lost to UMD at home. Uh, is a lot of a lot of skids got broken, and uh, and that is a terrific feeling. Uh, as much as as the win itself was, it's just to see guys that have that have had to put up with the same stuff over and over and over again, going out there and saying, all right, enough, and, uh, and they just go out and take it out of the opposition. And I thought they played a really, really, really strong game, and it's a shame this team isn't moving on. It is, and, and now we have to, to look ahead to 2024, and, and, and you're looking at you're, you're going to have Kyle Wall Jasper again, and you, you're going to have a lot of these skill position guys back next season, Jeff. And you know, I think about Jimmy DeRocher having the game that he had. Sam Pitts, I, you talked to Chase Vogler about Sam Pitts, man, and he is absolutely psyched 
to get one more year of Sam Pitts and, and figure out, may scheme some ways to get the football in his hands because he's a matchup nightmare at this level with the athleticism that he possesses. And, you know, th- this has a chance offensively, Jeff, to be a really, really, really good team again next year. And they, it's not like they don't have pieces back on defense either. They, they, they're going to be in good shape again. I think so, but I mean they're losing the entire defensive secondary. Yeah, that's that, that's the problem. That is a hard part, and you know, they're trying to. They were joking about trying to to get Ethan Beaver to come back for a six year. If he came back as a as a, a nose guard, I think they'd be in, in great shape. But Max Strand is back, you know, and they've got uh, Drew Hennessy will be uh, a senior next year. They're going to have a pass rush. They always do. They're going to have to find a defensive secondary, and they're going to need to replace some key people on the offensive line. You know, uh, Trey Cahalan is done. Eric Johnson is done. Justin Hall is done. Those are players that uh, uh, you know that, that they need. Um, Aiden Williams, you know, I mean, players like that, good players uh, that they're going to have to replace in the offensive line. Now they've got depth, obviously. It's just going to be a question of how quickly they gel as a line next year, and if they come together, then yeah, it's going to be a fun season. And, you know, obviously, again, the, the trigger man's the key. In any offense, the trigger man is the key. And, and it looks – I feel like from from opening night to game 11, there were more steps taken by that young man, Kyle Wall-Jasper. And it's going to be – I'm really excited to see what he's able to do after with another another full off season uh, under his belt and, and a chance to, to dive even more into what Chase wants him to do offensively. Right. Two best throws Kyle made on Saturday were both in the pocket. Uh, the touchdown to Ames down the sideline, yep. and of course the ball to DeRocher over the middle, where you stand in there, you've got a clean pocket, and you make your throw, you hit your window, and let your receivers do what they can do. And those are his two best throws of the day. And uh, as it turns out, they're the traditional type, but uh, at least in my mind, anyway, his two best throws. Chase may disagree, but uh, I just think, uh, you know, he's, he's come so far from week one to week 11. Uh, and of course, we know he's a thousand yard rusher now, the first one that uh, they've had a quarterback in nine years since True Bauer. Just a terrific year from a sophomore player who's only going to get better. And that that throw to DeRocher, so we're wa- I'm watching on TV, and you know, it's we're, they're you know, my nine's taking the the stream from from Mankato that feed, and as he as he uncorks that pass, as, as soon as I see DeRocher, I'm like, well, this game's over. <laughs> as soon as I saw him, because you could see the the trajectory of the ball was just about what it needed to be, hits him in stride, and he was gone. Oh, do you remember Frank Broyles? He was the broadcast partner for Keith Jackson for many years. Yes, I do remember that. Was where was the safety man? I mean, that's a great <laughs> question to ask there because there sure wasn't one. Or two no, or and I don't care that there wasn't. I'm glad. In fact, I'm glad he took. I'm glad he took a powder for that play. Yes, yeah, just take that play off, and and, uh, and Jimmy made it happen. And I'm just, you know, his story is so good. Yeah, you know, just asking to come to UMD as a walk on. And uh, eventually, as Kurt said in the pregame show, just uh, uh, we saw him and they immediately offered him a scholarship. And he came into the uh, offense, came in on his own, and he had a tremendous day. So good for him. Yeah, That's what it's about. Yeah, it's a great way to close it out. It's unfortunate that it's closed out, but uh, it, it was uh, it was fun to, to see him go down there and, and get that win. And I really appreciate it after the Glodowski interception that instead of punching that in like a lot of teams would have, including their opponent, they ran out the clock. That's right. That was an extremely classy thing to do. Yep. You see Kyle going up the middle, getting to the five-yard line and stopping. And yep. you're like, well, I know why this is happening, and I'm glad that uh, that, that ethos is running this program. Yep, That's I'm terrific. I'm with you as well. I'll see you Friday, man. Thank you. Okay, thank you. Uh, Jeff Papis, voice of Bulldog football all season long here on KDAL as the season 
comes to a close after that win over Minnesota State Mankato. Again, 33-21 the final on Saturday. Athletic Director Forrest Carr is here. Second Monday of every month, he drops by the studio. We'll chat with him. All things Bulldog sports in the month of November. That's coming up next, 1027 at KDAL. This is the Golden Gopher Daily Update. I'm Mike Grimm. We'll talk Minnesota football after this. At Western National, nice is more than just a word. It's a movement. Nice is there when you call. Nice is sincere. At Western National, nice is the foundation of how we serve every customer, whether it's for your home, auto, or business. And don't we all deserve a little more nice in our lives? Ask your independent agent today for Western National Insurance and experience the power of nice. The Golden Gopher football team lost at Purdue on Saturday, 49-30. Head coach P.J. Fleck spoke with Justin Gard after the game. There's no excuses. Uh, that was a bad night, uh, not a bad life. We got some guys out there that, you know, everybody wants their opportunities. And uh, when you get your opportunities, you got to be ready to play. Um, sometimes that means as a true freshman, retro freshman, sometimes never played football yet before. But that's kind of the position we're in right now. Um, there's a lot of things, uh, inter- you know, reasons not excuses um, for some of that stuff happening. Um, it's unfortunate. We got to play better. We got to coach them better. Um, and we got to get healthy. Simple as that. What were they doing to exploit some of those areas where maybe you had some of those inexperienced guys? Getting them in space, uh, running some different schemes. Um, you know, our fits. You know, running some different schemes, get your fits all different. You got to give them a lot of credit. They're explo- they're, they're, they've always been explosive. They're explosive all year. Um, they took advantage of every opportunity tonight. I mean, I haven't seen them play that well on offense, uh, but part of it's we didn't play very good defense. That's go for head coach P.J. Fleck, whose team will visit top-ranked Ohio State on Saturday. For more info on Gopher football, go to gophersports.com. That's the Golden Gopher Daily Update. I'm Mike Grimm. Your Twin Ports home for Gopher football. Zone touchdown, Golden Gopher. UMB Athletic Director Forrest Carr standing to my right. We are going to talk all things Bulldog sports. As we break on into November, we wind down the fall sports. We crank up the winter sports. We'll talk about all that. Plenty to get to with Forrest Carr. His monthly visit to the radio show comes after a CBS News update, 1034, 610, 103.9 KDAL. Ten thirty-eight. as we continue on this Monday morning. Plenty of Bulldog talk throughout the week, as always. Don't forget women's hockey at home this weekend versus Minnesota. Should be a great series. 6 p.m. Friday, 3 p.m. Saturday at Amsoil. Tickets, umdbulldogs.com. The athletic director is Forrest Carr. Good morning. Morning. I, I feel like we have we did this last year. In fact, I know we did this last year. I don't have to feel like it. I know what happened. Um, the Bulldog football team last year finished 8-3 and three and was kept out of the Super Region Tournament. And this year they finished 9-2 and two. once again kept out of the Super Region Tournament as uh, Minnesota State, Augustana, and Bemidji State will represent the Northern Sun Conference in the National Tournament. You've got some experience in in how all this works. And, you know, talking to Chase Vogler last week and talking to Jeff as we do every Monday, we're not surprised that UMD didn't get in. We're disappointed that UMD didn't get in. It's just – it's a tough pill to swallow, especially after that win in Mankato on Saturday. 
Yeah, you know, I mean, first of all, it was a season to be proud of, and they, the coaches have a lot to be proud of, and the student athletes. Um, you know, it was just one of those years we had five strong teams in the Northern Sun, and uh, unfortunately, everyone didn't didn't get to play everyone. So we um, only played uh, three of the other um, teams that you know gave us an opportunity for quality wins, and uh, we did not play against Augustana. So. I think that was the difference, you know, not not having maybe that fourth opportunity to pick up a quality win. Uh, the uh, the super region rankings, and you've been on the uh, the committee before. So, what is the basis for these super region rankings? We see them a few times down the stretch of the season, and of course, then the final rankings that determine who's going to make the playoffs. Sure. Yeah. The important thing is to understand in Division Two. They have this regionalization model, and the idea is to reduce travel expenses during the NCAA playoffs. Um, in basketball and volleyball, you know, you're going to have eight different regions and eight schools will be selected out of each region. So you'll end up having a 64-team tournament. And so each region has a regional advisory committee. In football, it's a little bit different because all 310 Division II schools do not sponsor football. So the, the actual playoffs are only 28 schools. So you have four super regions and they select seven schools from each of the four super regions for a 28-school um, playoff. Um, and you have, you have these super regions, each have a regional advisory committee um, that looks at all the different numbers, um, uh, computer models, um, statistics, and they're people with some expertise in this area, and they, they do their best to pick the seven best teams in the region. The, the, the problem in football is you play so few games and there's so little crossover between conferences that it really is difficult to tell, you know, which which team should get in. And of course, as I've said for the last decade, basically whining endlessly about the NSIC playing an insular schedule. This year, they allow the one non-conference game, and UMD plays it, and it doesn't help them because Northern Michigan, the team the Bulldogs played ended up going 0-11 this season, which is, as you know, having been there for as long as you were, very rare for that football team. Yeah, it's hard to say what would have happened if we if we would have scheduled a team um, that finished above 500 uh, for that non-conference game. It's always hard to predict before the season starts. Um, and even within our own conference, uh, there are one or two games that were on our schedule that in recent years the teams had, had been strong and finished above 500 and, and this year didn't. So, you know, when, when we looked at the schedule when it came out, we, we made some assumptions about who we thought would finish where, but... Um, you know, again, the team did well. We 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 played the eleven games. We finished nine and two. We, I know our coaches wish we could have had you know one or two things go a different way and and finish ten and one and be in the playoff. But we'll we'll get ready for next year and we'll keep uh, strategizing and talking and and working on our scholarships and um, figuring out how to how to get ready for next season. That's that's what's exciting when you're coming off a, a good year, um, have a great quarterback who's a a, a really great leader. A uh, lot of returning student athletes that are just quality students and, and quality football players. Um, you know, the future is really bright for UMD football. One thing, uh, and, and we're talking to UMD athletic director Forrest Carr, and, and just popped into my head as we're, we're standing here chatting off the air here the last few minutes, and and you were talking about you know the schedule for next year and, and who's on it and who's not, and and what popped into my head is what you see in the Big Ten, even at eighteen teams. You see in the ACC going to eighteen teams, whatever the number is next season. And that is that everybody basically has one or two teams that they are protected to play every year. Wisconsin's going to play Minnesota every year. Wisconsin's going to play Iowa every year. Minnesota's going to play Iowa every year. That whole idea. 
Has there been any conversation of doing that type of a model in the NSIC, which is right now at 15 teams, whether whether it's expanded in the future or not, you're playing, you've got more teams than you can play games in a football season. Yeah, our model's been disrupted a little bit. Um, you know, historically, the Northern Sun played the 11 uh, conference games and Upper Iowa leaving um, kind of on short notice last year uh, forced the commissioner's office to sort of rework the schedule for two years. Um, and so that's that's what we're in the middle of. So we actually don't have divisions right now the way that they did historically and, and the way the Big Ten and other conferences are set up. So it's a little bit random, um, the, the schedules that, that came out. Uh, what we as athletic directors asked for was that we would have uh, the same open weekend for two years in a row so that if we wanted to enter a home-and-home home agreement with a non-conference opponent, that we would have that ability to predict for two years which which weekend is going to be open. So we will be playing against Northern Michigan again next year. We'll be on the road uh, for that non-conference game, and then we'll have the ten conference games. And then who knows what happens, uh, you know, after that? Where it depends on the number of schools we have in the conference. Right. Uh, moving on here, we uh, we saw a couple of weeks ago the passing of UMD men's hockey alum Adam Johnson. Uh, a tremendous response by the the, the program, making sure that. That uh, the players were taken care of. That the, you know, it, it's been a few years since Adam played here, but you've got players that had ties to him through uh, you know old friendships and all that. Guys that knew him really well, and, and making sure those players had their opportunity to grieve. But the program also, you know, honoring Adam Johnson, I thought in a really special way before that Gopher home game uh, last weekend, and then getting the entire team up to Hibbing for a celebration of life on Monday was pretty cool to see as well. Yeah, you just you just feel for for family and friends and and people who were close to Adam and um you know it was just apparent Im- immediately um that even our current student athletes had uh you know spent time with him down at Amsoil Arena in the summer and uh great impact on our on our staff and our, our coaches um so we just did you know the best we could, could try to do to support the family and, and just a terrible uh, tragedy uh, we, greatly appreciate the support from from all kinds of different um, groups including minnesota coaches who donated um, two buses so that our team uh, could go over there our student athletes were able to go over um, to hibbing and and then come back and then our our staff was able to take another bus and and stay with the family so um, you know just um, really really difficult uh, situation but um, just glad that you know, we were able to, to play you know some role, hopefully, in, in the healing process and as the as the family um, works through this. Yeah, well said. Uh, so let's move on to happier stuff. Uh, basketball getting started over the weekend. I know the men are playing six in a row on the road to start the year. Justin Wick not hiding from anybody, but apparently people are hiding from him, not wanting to play at Romano because they're playing all six non-conference games on the road. Uh, women started on the road this past weekend as well and want to congratulate Drew Blair who uh, is now UMD's all-time career scoring leader. He passed Brandon Meyer. I'm going to be honest, Forrest, that was a record I thought was going to stand for a while. It stood for four years, basically. Uh, congrats to Drew Belay. Yeah. Very, uh, very well done here in a Bulldog uniform and plenty of time here this year to build on that number. Yeah, and, and so Drew's back for this fifth year because of the, the, the extra year because of COVID. But interestingly, he didn't really play his first year. Right. So he has scored – all these points now in in th- basically three years yeah, it's and, crazy and, and two games so he's an extraordinary talent uh, we're lucky to have him back this year and it should be 
should be a fun year. The, the, the team is a really good group. I know I've commented on this um, broadcast before. They have a lot of leaders that are doing a lot of good things in the community and on campus, and I look forward to seeing what they can achieve this year. Now, what does it mean to you? Just to you, You've got top players, and, and top athletes are top athletes, and they're special, they're fun to watch. People want to they buy tickets, they go watch them, they, they get attached, and, and that's great. But to see the impact that these athletes also are making, and it's not just one sport, it's not just you know, it, it, it's not just one person. It's it, it's entire teams that are making an impact in the community and, and and making a big difference while they're here and and showing a lot of pride in this area. Yeah, yeah. With men's basketball, you know, they're involved in the Black Men Serving Excellence Group. They're they've been real leaders in the Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion Council. But it's it's all of our teams. I mean, this Friday for the women's hockey game against Minnesota at six p.m. Um, at Amsoil, uh, the Student Athlete Advisory Committee and and others are going to be uh, have a table uh, to continue the Green Bandana Project and mental health awareness. So we just have a lot of student athletes that are doing things the right way and couldn't be more proud of them. Uh, women's basketball started with a split on the road after playing for a national championship. We had Tatum Rhodes on the radio show Friday. You can podcast it at kdal610.com. But you know, one of the really special people leading this basketball team, and I know that they, they lost an All-American and award winner in Brooke Olson, but you, you can tell that the, the expectations are still very, very high for that group. Yeah, a lot of good returning players and uh, a lot of uh, upper-class uh, student athletes and um, I think they're going to have some success Parkside is is always a very very good yeah. uh, women's basketball team they're difficult to play against a lot of guards that can shoot the ball well and they shot it well yesterday so we'll uh, chalk that one up to a learning experience but I think the team's going to have a lot of success and uh, women's hockey mentioned they're at home this weekend against the Gophers and, and that's uh, and, and that's always a great series these are two teams that lost a ton of talent from last year they're both off to tremendous starts and uh, always fun to get the Bulldogs and the Gophers in that building 6 p.m. Friday 3 p.m. Saturday military appreciation happening this weekend for the women as well yep yeah and there'll be a giveaway for fans on Saturday Bulldogs koozies and then there's also a post-game skate with the dogs so if any kids uh, you know want to come out or anybody wants to come out but um you know, to come out and skate with the dogs after the game. That's always a fun event. And, hey, real quick, uh, the DEI Council doing the clothing drive. That is continuing uh, all this month at home athletic events. Uh, they're taking clothes for uh, kids in grades K through 12 and uh, going to help the community in that way as well. Again, another great initiative from your student-athletes. Yeah, that went so well last year, and they're just trying to build it even further this year. So I hope if uh, anybody has anything and wants to donate, there'll be boxes available to drop off at the home athletic events. Uh, we've got a bag of stuff, and I've just got to remember to bring it to a, to a game at some point. Good <laughs> to see good. you, Forrest. See yep. you next month. Thank you. Happy right. Thanksgiving to you and yours. Uh, athletic Director at UMD is Forrest Carr. He joins us the second Monday of every month on the radio show to run down all things Bulldog Athletics. It's 1050. We'll wrap things up on this Monday morning. In a moment, Bruce Siski Show, 610-103.9-KDAL. KDAL. Listening to the latest news and weather on his computer. Streaming live on TuneIn. 10.59 as we wrap things up on this Monday morning. Thanks to Forrest Carr for dropping in as he does the second Monday of every month on the old radio show. We're back at it tomorrow as we get into the... Next week of Bulldog Guests, we'll be chatting tomorrow with men's hockey associate coach Adam Krause. We'll talk about the North Dakota games and look ahead to this weekend in St. Cloud against the Huskies. Brad Bennett's up next with Sound Off. Everybody have a wonderful Monday, and thank you for listening. This has been the Bruce Siski Show. Hit us up on Twitter at Bruce Siski Show and let us know what you think. No, yes, no, well...
No, I, I crossed my mind. Visit KDAL610.com to podcast today's show anytime. What'd you say? Listen to shows on demand and download for free. You can also subscribe via Spotify or your favorite podcast app. This has been the Bruce Siski Show. CBS News is up next. For more than 80 years, KDAL 103.9, W28FBFM, and 610 KDAL, Delusive Superior, a Midwest communication station. KDAL.